Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the Sea Live podcast. My name is Sam, and as always, I have my trusted friend and podcast sidekick, Mr. Christopher Vons. Hey, how are you, mate? You all right? Chris, I'm absolutely ecstatic at what happened over the weekend for our sing, uh, sing for their supper. Uh, just the overall it was good response. Um, just the the general feedback, and of course, raising 175 pounds. Uh, for St. Andrew's Community Food Banks. Uh, blown away. Simply blown away. Well done to everyone who, who donated, everyone who watched, everyone who's continued to watch. Mate, the figures have been unreal. Have you seen how many people it went out to? You're talking like nearly 5,000 people, this engagement. And then we're talking like nearly 1,700 views. It's crazy. I mean, we set out to raise 50 pounds i thought 50 pound was a, a you know reasonable target we we were happy with that just blown away it's been tripled and nearly at you know 200 pounds so thank you again for those of you that tuned in uh, to the live stream and again we've got a big thank you to all those fantastic artists um that are available through c live as well um so why not do a shameless plug now uh, make sure that you do follow us on our social medias uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram as well. On Facebook, we are at C-Live. On Twitter, we are at C-Live, enter one. And also on Instagram, we are at C-Live UK. And again, Chris, I was just blown away by the amount of um, messages that we got from people who enjoyed the, sh- enjoyed the stream and then on top of that, donating uh, that money as well. So thank you all so, so much. But don't forget, Sam, we are going to try and increase this um, um, week before Christmas, going to try and increase that at the up all night comeback yes. 2020 gig, thought, eh? which is on sale on sale at the Grand Central. So the box office is open. Get your tickets. We've put links on uh, on our on our Facebooks and what's and uh, Twitters and stuff like that of the number. The tickets are selling though, Sam. They are. I mean, I spoke to Haley only on. Actually, it was yesterday. I spoke to her. It feels like a very long time because it was yesterday. Um, and, yeah, it's selling really well. Um, they had issues over the weekend uh, due to phone lines being down. Uh, but there is someone manning the phones uh, to get you your tickets for the 19th of December and also for any other gigs uh, over the Christmas uh, period for Grand Central Hall. So make sure that you do get down there uh, Especially for the nineteenth of December, uh, for the because get your jumpers on, get your Christmas jumpers on, because the best band in Liverpool will be taking the stage again for a ultimate night of sheer musical brilliance. Yes. That's all I can and we say. We've got a, a musical uh, talent guest this evening. Um, he has a album out, um, Ellison Place. As you can see on the screen there, Mr. Cal Ruddy, how you doing, mate? Hey, hello, Cal. How are you? Good evening, boys. How are you doing? I'm all, all right. Very well, we're very well. Um, what have you been up to? We're living in a mad world, COVID, all that jazz. You've probably been asked this ten thousand times, but what have you been up to? Uh, what what have you been doing to uh, keep busy? It's been a crazy year, boys. It's been absolutely unbelievable, hasn't it? I mean. But uh, I've been keeping busy. I've been, like, especially during the second lockdown, it's been a bit more productive than the first one. The first one just hit, and I lost all my dates, and I was like, 
what's going on? You know, like the world has completely changed overnight, didn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so during the summer, I got back into the swing of things. I took a bit of time off during the first lockdown, and I, I uh, became a, a, a back backyard gardener. So, so we were doing the doing the garden up and all that. So uh, that, that was interesting. But um, yeah, no. Uh, during the second lockdown, I've been a lot more productive. I uh, finally launched the album online, which has been great. The response has been fantastic, and I've been writing some news material, and um, I'm gearing up to do some live stream shows as well. It's not ideal, but it, it keeps the fans happy and it keeps people positive and happy during these crazy times. So uh, that's what I want to do with my music, really, just keep people happy and positive. Yeah, because we've asked. Yeah, because we've asked a couple of people who have um, who've released albums in in lockdown. Whitney. Whitney, remember in in LA, we she's she released one, and um, we were like, How, "How's that gone? How have you found?" And she was like, "Well, it's kind of um, it's good because I'm I'm getting new new people who who've not seen the stuff because everything's live on stream now on, online. So, how have you found releasing the album online? Really interesting, mate. Really, because it's been a long process getting this album together. Really, because. I wrote the songs in Nashville three years ago, so I did a writing trip over there um, in Nashville. Wrote the songs over there, and then I came back from Nashville, and for six months, eight months after coming back, so that was three years ago, September 2017, I came back, and um, I basically did a few gigs across Liverpool and across the UK, and I basically just like tested the reactions to the songs, you know, see what, what people... Um, Thought of them, how, how people interacted with them, you know, in a live setting and all that. And then basically, um, I started recording in the summer of 2018, and I was recording on and off for a year, you know, perfecting it and getting it all right and all that. Um, so that took the best part of, of yeah, a year and a bit really to get that all sorted. And then the album was ready to go uh, this time last year. I did a sort of uh, fan fan release pre-release thing on CD, like a limited CD, CD run. And uh, people were loving it. I did a sold-out show at Studio 2 and people were buzzing off that, so that was great. So I, was, I came into 2020 thinking, oh, great, you do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, everything's going well, you know. It, it, uh, I got buzz off 2019 and the last few years. And then I had a headline show in Jimmy's on Bottle Street in Liverpool. And then literally that was my last show. I haven't played a show since that. That, that 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 that's just crazy because usually I'm I'm always on the circuit, I mean, and I've been for like the last seven eight years. It's just been mad. So yeah. releasing an album at this time is it, it it's a bit of a brave move, but I think people have, have responded nicely to it. So I made up. And as you say, you've got as you say, you've got a, a you've got a nice fan base, and you've got a fan base that's been quite loyal to you, and they follow you around your shows and um. You know you're gonna hit your fan base big time. That's that's, but hopefully you've you've introduced new people who've never heard of you into what you actually do because you can share so much now. Do you find that you are getting a little bit more interest from people that you've never spoke to before? Uh, yeah, I'd yeah. I'd say especially the last few weeks um, since I put the album out. There's been a lot of response internationally as well. I've noticed my Spotify listeners have gone up in the USA and across Europe and all that. So that's been really positive and made up because it's just, it's great for people locally to enjoy my music. But I always see myself as an international uh, artist, really. 
because of my experiences in America and and, uh, and and Italy and all that. So it's been nice to actually like see the fan base increasing, you know, in, in different parts of the world. It's been great to see people have been getting in touch on Instagram and Twitter and all that. And, um, you know, say, oh, I've just discovered this album on Spotify, check it out. And it's been great. I, I love reading all that. It's, it's been my day. So how, did the Na- so how did the Nashville thing come about? Because it's quite rare for a Liverpool lad who's playing Liverpool scene to just swan off to Nashville and write an album in Nashville with some... Well, I've heard the album. There's some fantastic musicians on that album. How, how did that come about? Because I'm just going to make a note of it because I fancy going to Nashville. Good <laughs> <laughs> lad. You look up your alley on me, honestly. Great. So what, how, did, how, how, did, how did you get there? What happened? So I was supposed to go out to California um, in March 2017. Uh, I, I supported the band at, at Zanzibar called The Falling Doves. Now, they've played the Tavern and a few different places, you know, when they've been to the UK. And they invited me out to do a tour in California in the March of that year. So I did a GoFundMe page and people were really, really like, you know, generous and uh, and kind with, with their, their donations to get me across. And then literally two weeks before I was due to fly out, I got really, really ill. I had like troubles with my immune system and um, I was in hospital for a few weeks and I just, I, I just didn't have the strength to go in the end. My doctor said, it's not advisable that you fly out and do, because it was, it was like seven dates over nine days, do you know what I mean? And a lot, and a lot of traveling yeah. in between shows and all that. So it would have been pretty heavy, pretty heavy going, um, as well as uh, you know the jet lag and the traveling over there as well. Yeah. So I was gutted, mate. I was absolutely gutted, do you know what I mean? Because this has always been my dream to play in the US and, and to play internationally and all that. And then it, it just felt like, it felt like everything had just come crashing down around me, do you know what I mean? And I was like, what do we do next? So I went to London um, when I recovered. So I think it was like April time of 2017. And I went to London to um, a music networking event at Notting Hill, Tally Yard Studios. And a guy called Alan McKendry Palmer, um, he was he was at the event and he he, did, he said a few words and he and he was mingling about the crowd and all that. And now I, I sort of knew of Alan, um, you know, on on the scene and all that, and I knew that he was a great songwriter and producer, and, and he'd done you know loads of different projects in America and and in London as well. So we got chatting and all that, and I passed him a CD and a card, and I said, like, um, I've done this uh, crowdfunding campaign, and I'm looking for another opportunity to use that money because I didn't want to let anyone down because people have been so kind and supported me. So he said, I'll, I'll give you an email in a few weeks, you know, I'll have a listen. When I get back to the States, I'll be in touch. So we got in touch, and he said, like, I really love your... Rockabilly Americana influence sound, and, and I'd love to work with you. Um, let me put some dates together uh, for September. And um, yeah, so I ended up flying out there September 2017 for three weeks, and it was honestly life changing, mate. It, it made me the artist I am today, I'd say. Wow. So, what, what did you have the songs sort of there, or did, was it just you, you wrote the songs out there? Did you have the songs before you went? So, so the, the album is 11 tracks. So what happened was I, I went out for three weeks and I worked at Alan's studio with different writers. Um, so one day I'd be paired off with one writer for the next day, another person, you know, things like that. It wasn't like 20 writers on one tune or anything like that. It was like, you know, a nice little stripped down collaborative process with one or two people in the room as, as well as me. So I wrote 
twelve songs when I was out in Nashville, and nine of those made the final cut. Um, and then a couple of songs that I'd written previously, prior to the recording session, the prior to the Nashville trip, I thought that they fitted the vibe of the rest of the songs as well. So there's a couple of like by in time. Uh, December's Friend and Maria on the album are all tunes which date from um, from previously, so about 2015, 2016, but even that early, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I dug deep, dug deep for those ones and, and sort of did them a bit of polish when they came into the studio. Because Buying Time is very, is very, it's slightly different to the rest. You can tell that it's a different yeah. vibe going on. It's very, I got a bit of uh, Jake Boogie kind of sound going on there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got the, I like a Jake Bug sound, but it's, there's lovely little chords introduce it. It's a lovely little... It stands out for me as like that nice acoustic, slow, lovely chord progression songs where the others are just like full-on rock and roll-y kind of things, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what... It's good because it's, it's a nice variation in the... But I, I, I buying time is, is the one that I... When I was listening to it, I kind of... I added, I added on painting and um, buying time and I just kind of stopped because the chords are, are lovely. Did you, did you play all the acoustic on that as well, yeah? Yeah, so, so the whole album, I, I played all the uh, rhythm guitar, so all the acoustic guitar and all the... Um, all the electric um, rhythm guitar parts—they're all me. Wow. I'm not really a lead player, see. So I, I, as John Lennon once said, he he uh, he, he taught himself guitar because uh, you know to back himself. And I'm in a similar vein, you know, like just just a a few chords and the truth. Well, it reminds me. Yeah, yeah, that's how, that's my my life there, mate. But it re- does remind me of John Lennon. It does remind <laughs> me of the John Lennon rock and roll album in in many ways. Um. Because it's got that feel of it where he was going to his pure roots that he listened to as kids, his fifties kind of style. It's for me, it's got that, and I I think it's quite unique because I haven't heard anything like that for a while. So that's why it stood out for me, and especially uh, "Dance the Night Away." Dance the Night Away, is it? Yeah. Which yeah, is, yeah, uh, yeah. The, Oh, the lead guitar, and that's fantastic. Oh, man, the, the solo. And, and do you know what, Dave? For the, for the whole album, it's funny you said that about the 50s influences. We used vintage vintage guitars on, on, on the whole album, didn't mean. So we used, um, for that track in particular, We I used a 1956 Gibson Les Paul Jr. for my sort of rhythm guitar part, parts. And uh, I think Scott Holy, the lad who played guitar, you know, the lead guitar, I think he used the Harmony Rocket from um, 1964, 1965. Yeah. And that was, that was one of the guitars which was um, on Brenda Lee's version of Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. Now, that sort of chimey, like, distinctive guitar tone, that that was the sort of uh, vibe we were going for on, on that, I mean. Like, I'd... It's, it's, yeah, well, it's very, it's very, it must be very tempting to, because um, here's a story. I, I knew a, a fellow who, who had a electric amp and he went to this, the Institute with Mac McCartney and Harrison. He was an older fellow. Yeah, yeah. And um, so they used to take him to the recordings because he was the only person that he knew had an amp. Right? So, so he <laughs> and he said, Lennon, like, when you go to these fancy studios, Lennon would put his guitar on the rack and take one off the rack and take it. 
Just rub it off. He just take, he put his guitar <laughs> on the rack. He'd take one of the guitars off the rack. It just must be seeing seeing all those guitars though. I when I was in New York, and I was in the the big guitar centre. There was there was just years old guitars, and there was one from like the nineteen thirties. It's Martin. And I was like, oh, I need to play that. I think I've told Sam. Have I told you a story about the, this 1930s Martin yeah, acoustic? Yeah, we, we talked about this with uh, Sam and Cassidy on a previous podcast. But again, yeah, you were saying you were in the in the centre. and uh, Go on, you can tell the story yourself. I was in like this humidified acoustic room. The doors must have been about that thick, big glass. And it was like yeah, yeah. £30,000 guitar, 20 grand. Uh, and I thought, I'm going to play that. For a thirty odd thousand pound Martin, and I said to the guy, "Can I?" And he went, "Yeah, just go." So I picked it up. It's the worst guitar I've ever played in my life. Was it? Off? It was the worst guitar. The action must must have been about that. And in terms of it, if you don't know guitars, that means the strings are too far away from there. It was awful. And I said, "Why is that thirty odd thousand quid?" I've got guitars for like hundred quid that are nicer than that. And he went, "The wood, <laughs> just the wood." He said, "The wood is 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 the rarest wood." That you can get, so <laughs> like that, okay. <laughs> so what was it like in the studio with all those guitars? Oh, mate. So, so, so um, I had the good fortune when I was in Nashville. So um, one of the guys I worked with, Blue Miller, um, I went to a studio to write one day. Now Blue had worked with people like India Ari, Isaac Hayes, um. Bob Cedar Band, you know, people like that. And he, as a touring musician, he also worked with Eagle uh, Fleetwood Mac on the road uh, before he became a producer. Now, I walked into Blue Studio in Nashville. We didn't record the album in Nashville, but we did some demos over there. So, Been Here Before um, was written on a 1945 Gibson J45. And honestly, mate, it was like the dream just half <laughs> me. Oh God! I, I, it was just like a piece of history in my hands. Do you know what I mean? It was great. Yeah. It was so the neck was lovely on it, the tone. There was history behind the guitar. So it. So when I started playing, I when I started playing the chord progression, I, I was just like messing around with the guitar for a bit, and, and I came up with these chords for um, for many before. And uh, and and blue was jamming, jamming away on on another guitar. I think it was a Guild from the seventies, and it was just you know surrounded by all these lovely guitars and all that. And it really helped us get into the mood, you know, into the sort of songwriting vibe. And it was great to just sort of like sit there, and and, and it was like you felt like there was there was like even though I just picked up the, that guitar, I felt like it, it already inspired me to you know create um, something new. It was it was fantastic. It, it it's it's funny though when you're in in the studio or in in a place like Nashville, it must channel in a something different you know what i mean sam when you were working with in la and stuff did you find that you were kind of in a different zone when you were singing yeah I, I, there's, there's definitely you, you know la is famous for that you know that smog you know uh, especially when you're looking out on the skyline there's certainly something in the air um, but I, I i do get where you come from obviously being with like-minded people and obviously working with um you know the producers of the show and and, and the experts um during the x factor in 2018 it was it, it was special it was a special moment for me um i think just being there and being you know la is one of them places where you've either made it or you're trying to make it and obviously being 
it is true, and 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 being and being that being that lad, part of a choir that was on the X Factor that was seen, uh, well deemed as kind of like the out the outcasts, you know, the musical theatre lot all put together for a choir for the X Factor. Everything just didn't seem to fit, and we we made it to LA, and that was kind of my personal goal to get to LA or a judge's house, um, but to be having a, to having a, to have a barbecue with Robbie Williams in his house in LA was pretty cool. So it was great. Honestly, it was really good. And one thing that I, that I wanted to ask you, Carl, is obviously you're in Nashville. You're writing these songs. And obviously, being a local lad from Liverpool, Liverpool is synonymous for the Beatles and for unbelievable talent. When you're over there, are you just bombarded with questions of, you know, what's it like? What's Liverpool like? Oh, mate, honestly, so I, I played my first show in Nashville. Um, it was a last-minute thing, actually. So I had shows um, lined up for the second and third week. And I just thought, oh, yeah, I'll just sort of ease myself in. Do you know what I mean? Ease myself in, into the whole lifestyle of, you know, being in Nashville, working on, on these songs and all that. And um, my mum and dad, obviously, came on the trip with me. And they went to a bar on the Wednesday night. And they met this uh, this singer in a, in, a, in a bar called Megan Barker. And um, they got chatting and all that. I, I was just like, I was knackered after a, a full day of writing and all that. So I just had a chill night for that night. But they, they were more rock and roll than me on that night. So they just sent them up to the local bar down the road. Um, and um, they met this, this girl called Megan Barker. And my mum played um, one of my songs on Spotify to her, you know, because obviously I, I wasn't there to get up and play myself. And she said, um, we've had a cancellation at a show tomorrow night, like a writer's round kind of vibe. Uh, would Cal like to, you know, uh, come and join us? And uh, she just wished around me then and she said, like, I, you're playing this show tomorrow? Like, and I was like, <laughs> yes, that, that's boss, that's mega. So I turned up um, and it was it was so mad. I was, I was such a fish out of water that did, you know, for like the first five minutes because everyone was like, Everyone was like, you know, larger than life, you know, like, I, I, um, you know, really, really friendly and really like, you know, like buzzing about the show and all that. So we, we did a little sound check, and once people heard my voice, they, they, they were like, "Oh my God, you're British!" But you know, where, where are you from, man? And all this, and, and um, <laughs> I, I was like, "Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm from near Liverpool." And uh, this guy was telling about like, "Oh, I, I, I love the Beatles." Um, me and my wife did go over to the pool every, every few years to do the tavern and all, you know, do all the tour, tourist stuff. And then I was like, hello, man, John, how are you doing? You used to be in a band, John, you know, and all that. And obviously that, that, that's a really, like, terrible impression. But, like, to them, they're like, oh, my God, dude, that's amazing, man, and all this. And they were loving it. Um, so I remember sitting there afterwards and, and I was just like, chatting chat to these, these, uh, these American fellas in this bar after they did, did finish. Like, they loved Maria. They loved, like, the... The, the songs that I was playing and they said um, they really liked, liked the way that um, I could move to Nashville and I was sort of embracing their sort of sound but also bringing a bit of noisy beat and a bit of uh, bit of British rock and roll into it as well so uh, yeah it, it was great man yeah <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna play as a track now aren't you um, one of the tracks is this does this one feature on the new album it does mate yeah this yeah. one is, this one's called Miners.
Is your heart beating out of sync? A little faster, a little deeper, mine is. Mine is. Turn tight and starry eyed. Is your smile too hard to hide? Cause mine is. Mine is. You've got a way of making me more than I've ever dreamed. Life is a different kind of beautiful when you're next to me. Is your picture of heaven on earth a little something like this? Every day like a honeymoon is mine is Is your mind painting future scenes? Were you happy growing old with me? Cause mine is mine is You've got a way of making me more than I've ever dreamed. Life is a different kind of beautiful when you're next to me. Is your picture of heaven on earth? A little something like this. Well done, well done, well done. Lyrical wise, have any of these lyrics personal things that have happened to you? So, yeah, yeah, do you take personal feelings into some of these songs? Because I, I had a good listen today, and um, I don't know, you, you, there's a lot of emotion in some of these. A lot, it sounds like there's a lot of personal experiences in some of these songs. Is that? Is that what I'm thinking? Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I always try to write about you know things that happen to me or things that I've, uh, things that mean a lot to me. Do you know what I mean? So, but with mine is uh, the story behind that song. Yeah, I was in the studio in Nashville with um, a guy called Tori Lee Barker, and Tori is like one of the most prolific songwriters in Nashville. I, I I've got him on Facebook still, and he's. Uh, Every day he's, he's like writing with different people. Even through the pandemic, he's been on Zoom writing with people, you know, doing all sorts of stuff. Wow. So we sat in the studio having a coffee 
and we're thinking how we'd like to write in it. Like we, we, we weren't really thinking about an album at such a that time. We were thinking about what's missing in, in my live set. So we, we were missing a sort of like sort of almost ballady sort of like fifties love song, you know, in the in the set. So we thought, well, let let's write some tender like like um like like you know like that. So we we, we started that we start I started playing like jamming around some chords. I mean, Tori came up with, with, with those lyrics and it just, it came from a very heartfelt place, if that makes sense to me. And it, 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 I, I'm a very emotional guy, do you know what I mean? I can't hide that. So I like to bring that out when I, when I uh, write songs. Well, that's, I think, important to have the emotion side in songs. I think some, when I've listened to music, because I had, here's a good question for you. Someone asked me the other day, when I listen to a new song, so I've listened to all your tracks today, um, and they say, "Do you listen?" And uh, we'll, we'll, I'll ask Sam this: Do you listen, Sam, when you listen to a new song? Do you listen to the lyrics or the tune first? Oh, it depends, man. Depend. It depends if it's a catchy, catchy hook, catchy, you know, melody. Um, hmm. I, I, I always look as an ex-musical theatre graduate. Oh, sorry. As an as an ex musical theatre student and graduate, um, I'm I'm looking for a performance. I'm looking for a story, and how they related through performance always. Um, so I'd probably say yeah. I I'm looking for I'm looking for lyrics. I'm looking for a story. I'm looking for, like Cal said, you know, if it's heartbreak, let me see it in your face. Um, so mean it, mean show it, show those emotions, man. Yeah, definitely. I, I think so. I think so. It's got, it's got, it's got to be, you know, from the heart. Everything that I write is from the heart. Everything that you know, I feel like it comes from a place where, you know, in that moment, you know, the other night looking out the window, seeing the stars in the sky, thinking about. X's and things like that. And you just write stuff. You you literally just write it down. Um, so it, it, it is and some of the stuff is cheesy don't get me wrong but again cheese sells sometimes it does <laughs> I, I'm the tune I hear the tune it's like buying time today I, I instantly just listened just stopped I was painting and just stopped I thought I like that do you think Chris that's due to the fact that you're a, a guitar player you know you play guitar and you can you, you, you know your love for guitar you can reminisce with these uh, these chords these you know melodic chords the structure well well i'm working on a little project at the moment with with doing like this it's i haven't told you about this song actually i'm working with a lad online who's we're doing i'm helping him write the music for a greek mythology theater show Ooh. right so we're coming up with all these sounds that don't sound traditional if you know what i mean mm. so we're, we're using chris so i've changed the tuning it's the maddest tuning and then we're, we're working what? through it and he it's talking about rage and gods and stuff like that. so he's he's banging to all this so i've got to try and put something together for him so i'm, I'm trying to show him how to do it as well because he wants to play it on the on the show he wants so yeah, yeah 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 so i'm showing him out what we're so we're working through it and it's so again it's the sound scopes maybe you're right sam Maybe when I'm a famous DJ. Oh, oh, oh. That's what my... <laughs> this time next year, Rodney. 
Let, let, let's not talk about my DJ skills until 2022. And then we will really talk about <laughs> it. To be fair, that gives you enough time. It gives you enough time. Time to um, to get me, uh, me tape mix ready. <laughs> Where's the cassette go? Where does the cassette go? That'll be... No, but... I honestly, I think there's there's certain tracks on the album that instantly, if if people haven't heard it, put it on and and they'll they'll just stop. I stopped. I was painting today and I stopped just to wear it because I I haven't heard. I know I haven't seen you loads live and um, yeah, but I'd like to wear some of these live and I'm looking forward to that. Oh cheers! Oh cheers, mate! Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Now we've done it together, but we've not done gigs. Together, we've been to see a few famous bands together, haven't we? We, we, we did we watch the Coral? Yeah, yeah, I remember four years. Yeah, it's around this time, four years ago. We went to see Ocean Colour Scene on the Friday, I think it was, and then the next night it was the Coral. So it was like a two so night standard. Yeah, it was cold. It's all I remember. It was freezing. But it was cold, awesome, wasn't it? It was, it was, it was a, a good, it was a good gig. Then, man. Really, really good, good gig. Then, yeah. And then Jack, Jack was end up as well, Sam. Love Jack. So I think there's a picture of me, you, and Jack in in the. Oh, they must have found that. Take that out. I'll, 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 yeah. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll take that out. I'll take that out. But it's um, yeah. But not only are you like music, your mum and dad are banging to, and they were at the they were at the gig as well. Oh yeah, mate. I mean, like, mate, I mean, like, to be honest, I'd, I'd say going back to my childhood, um. I owe a lot of my musical um, taste to my grandparents and my mum and dad. So my my nan and granddad inspired my love of um, 50s and 60s rock and roll. I mean, Buddy Holly and Elvis and uh, country people like uh, Johnny Tash, Jim Reeves, um, Glenn Campbell, people like that. And then even people like... uh, like Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra have been big influences as well. And then for my mum and dad's record collection, um, I, I'm a massive T-Rex fan. Like, I love all that sort of glam rock, you know, 70s sort of vibe. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, Mark Bolden is, is one of my idols, mate. I absolutely, I, there's something about that, that fella. His stage presence was, was just hypnotising to me. And so, and also, like, the fact that my, my, on my dad's side, my, my grandparents uh, were Irish. So I've grown up with a lot of... Um, Irish music as well, so there's a lot. There's a bit of a mixed bag in there, but it all sort of, if you listen to some of my tunes, it sort of bleeds through the influences that me and like that. That's that sort of explains my sound. If that makes sense. Yeah, you've definitely got a sound, and and on the album, you can. I I was just loving the fifties rock and roll, all that rock and roll stuff, especially the early. 50 stuff the stuff that was imported over to liverpool in the 50s and all the kids went feral that's that's what it's all about because it's, it was a completely new sound do you know what i mean you had, oh yeah definitely mean, yeah off off rock around the clock and then it just it went when went feral and and then the, they were bringing records over to liverpool for the ports so it, it, you can see where your kind of influence you took the Liverpool back over to Nashville must have been amazing yeah. playing playing gigs over there and oh um, mate it, it, it was so nice to see the response I mean it was nice nice that people sort of got my sound over there I mean it was nice it was nice to actually go over there and, and like it wasn't like a gimmick or anything like that people were like actually like properly into it I mean and that was really nice as a performer as a songwriter and as a person I mean 
just it's great, mate. Do you think the the music scene, uh, sorry, the music scene will change? Obviously, with everything that's gone on, and you know, we've seen, you know, news recently. Obviously, sad the Zanzibar, and you know, there's talk of you know, other independent, other independent, you know, venues that are closing down. Another great one around the corner on uh, Duke Street Sound closed down recently as well. Obviously. You know the heart of you know that little area there, Duke Street, Seal Street, for independent venues where they go to, especially for, for me growing up uh, as a musician, but also as a you know a watcher of live music as well. Um, where 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 do you see us going locally with local music and moving forward? How how can we get out of this this black hole of COVID enclosures? It's a really worrying time, mate, because as you've just mentioned, two of those venues, the Zanzibar and Sound, I've grown up in places like that. I I, I played my first... So I've, I've been doing this for the last 10 years now. And um, about six, six years ago, yeah, six years ago this month, actually, uh, Tony Butler, rest his soul for the Zanzibar, he, uh, he gave me my first you know, proper uh, Liverpool show you know, in, in the centre of town. Before that, I was playing like you know out, out in the outskirts and like you know in smaller venues and all that. But it, it was a real honour to play in you know, places like the Zanzibar and, and and that that's where I sort of cut my teeth really. Do you know what I mean? That's what gave me the confidence to sort of like you know um, keep on doing it and it, it, it gave me such a passion for performing live and you know, playing at places like that. Because like do you know what I mean? It's great going to see people in, in a big arenas and all that. But like when you're actually when you get the crowd right in your, in, in, your, in your face, it's boss. It's absolutely mad, do you know what I mean? So, losing places at the Zanzibar and Sound. I, I played one of my first headline shows was at, was at Sound about five years ago, do you know what I mean? So, Sound Food and Drink was a great venue. I, I yeah. preferred it in, in the old days when it was all sort of like uh, a bit rough around the edges. I, I loved it then, that was great, do you know what I mean? But um, no, it, it really is worrying because as time goes on, obviously, like, I won't go into it too much, but uh, COVID is like you know a real concern both for people's physical health and for mental health. But it is a worrying time for the industry as well. You know, like there's so many people. I've seen bands split up this year. You know, like bands who are doing well yeah. just split up and, and just totally quits, which is like it's it's so depressing not being able to get out there and, and do what we, we love. Do I mean it's crazy? We and said, as you two fellas know yourself, do I mean? Yeah, we said we said we noticed. How, how much equipment is on sale at the moment, and you can see how many people, much people have just sold sold equipment. Sad. It's so sad, isn't it? Yeah, I wish um, wish some of those guitars on National were um, selling into my hands. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, do, do, do you know what though? I, I it's sad though because I've seen like the last few days. You know when you go on Facebook Marketplace and, and all that, and you, and you have a look, yeah. And people are selling like um, someone was selling like a, an old Fender Tweed amp the other day. You know, um, in a proper vintage gear, proper nice gear. And it's like if you had that in your possession as as a player, as a musician, yeah. or you know whether you play live one or not, if you're into it and and, and that's what you do, and, and you and for whatever reason, you know, whether it's financially financially or whatever else, if you have to sell gear like that it must be soul destroying do you know what I mean yeah I think the way forward though is um, we've got to preserve the venues the Zanzibar's gone I hope it just doesn't turn into another club 
or a pub or whatever. Oh, yeah. We got par street. Uh, we don't know what's happening with that now. Um, we've got sound. Obviously, it's gone. So it needs something else. It needs maybe someone to do something revolutionary, like play a gig on an aeroplane. <laughs> I was wondering if you mentioned that. Once. I was wondering about that. Now that was just, that was the most surreal did I played in my life. I'd say, yeah, definitely. Is that all about? I saw the picture. You're on the plane play. <laughs> I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> I've tried to get so that... guitars on planes. It's a nightmare. You just walk into first class and start playing. You know what I mean? That that came about. Um, so. Four years ago, I, I did um, I did a little promotional tour for Blue Air, the airline. Um, but on the way there, like the the staff on the plane on the way there didn't know, you know, that I was obviously representing their company and all that. So they were giving me a bit of a hard time. I I, I was like, can you take a photo? Uh, can you take a photo of me next to um, the door of the plane and all that? You know, like I'm representing the company. And they're like, if you say that one more time. Um, we're going to kick you off this flight, and obviously I was going off for like you know a few a few days um, to to work for the company. So when I got there, I I played for three days. You know, I played um, across the streets of um, Milan, Bergamo, and then I travelled to Verona as well. So I, I was doing you know promoting um, promoting the pool as a destination. So I was doing a lot of Beatles stuff, but also my own stuff and a lot of you know rock and roll thrown in as well. And then I was really cheeky, and on the last day, I sort of got friendly with uh, Alex, who's one of the um, representatives in you know, the company, and she was so so nice. And she asked me how how, you know, how the flight was over and all that sort of thing. And I said, "Can I be cheeky on the way back? Um, can I play a set on the plane in flight?" I was just literally just that. I just like thought, there's, "There's no chance he's going to let me, you know, health and safety or whatever else. Yeah. And there's no chance I'm going to be allowed to do this." And I said, "Oh my God, what a great idea! Like, like let's let's do that. Like, like let's sort that out." So we just just the airport early um, on on the day I left, and um, got photos with you know with all the staff and all that. Like loads of social media content, which, which is great. And then halfway through the flight, my my guitar was actually had its own season on on that return flight, which is made up. But <laughs> I didn't take this though. I, I took I took um, this is my baby. I've had this for like. 10, 10 years nearly yeah. um, with but I took, took an iPhone with me you know, just in case if it broke on the flight it's not as you know it's not yeah, as dear yeah. to get it replaced or fixed or whatever so yeah I, I just um, I all of a sudden they make an announcement um, we're going to have some in-flight entertainment for you today uh, Cal Ruddy from Liverpool is going to play a few songs and I was like what is going on so, like, yeah, I just stepped to the front of the plane, tuned up, you know, behind the curtain, paying no attention to that man behind the curtain, and then uh, literally just uh, singing loud tonight. Trapped, trapped on, and it was great, mate. Do you know what I mean, it was so surreal. It was so surreal because I, I felt like I felt the motion of the plane, obviously, as I was playing, and there was a little bit of turbulence at one point. So it was like, oh, do you know what I mean? Oh but my it, days, it was no. else. <laughs> It was boss. It was honestly like it, in a phrase, once in a life, literally once in a lifetime. I don't know anyone else, you know, like from the pool around here who's done anything like it. So I feel quite, uh, quite unique in that respect, really. I'm surprised that's not like some sort of Guinness record, you know, performing at like a high altitude. Altitude. 
Right. I think we need to look into that. I think we need to look into that because I, I have a feeling that's a Guinness World Record. But there you go. Uh, Carl, you were talking uh, off camera before that you've got a few live streams coming up on your social medias. Is there anything that you want to promote? Obviously, your own social medias or anything that you've got coming up for the people at home? Um, I've got um, I've got a few things in, in the pipeline. So, to be honest, I haven't got dates for you just yet. But if you keep an eye on my social media, um, Instagram, Cal Ruddy, Facebook, Cal Ruddy Music, and Twitter, Cal underscore Ruddy. Uh, you can also check out, check out the album on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and YouTube Music. Um, if you like what I'm doing, tag me in a post, listen to the album, share it with your friends and all that sort of stuff. I'd really appreciate the support. Um, it's been a, quite a journey getting, the, getting these songs on the album and getting everything sorted. So I really, really do appreciate every bit of support that I do get. So I want to thank you fellas for having me on tonight as well. I really appreciate your support as well. Our pleasure, mate. Our pleasure. And if you're into your guitars, have a listen to the album because you can hear they are banging guitars. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, man, nice. That's all. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to finish tonight's uh, podcast with a performance from Cal in a moment. But just to remind you all, please do follow us on our social medias on Facebook, Twitter, and also on Instagram as well. On Facebook, we are at C Live. Uh, Twitter, we are at C Live Enter One. And on Instagram, we are at C Live UK. Chris, as always, thank you so much. Yes, and thank you everyone again who donated for Sing for the Supper. We will be uh, pushing on with the. Um, getting more money when we go to Grand Central so we'll keep you all posted but thank you again everyone brilliant guys that's been another edition of the Sea Live podcast thank you so much we'll be back next week with another fantastic guest in the meantime stay safe out there and we'll see you next week bye bye thanks for having me boys this one's cool been here before nice one This train is taking me around the world I've been got a ticket for you, girl I don't have a clue what's in store When I walk through that door But baby, you and I've been here before Baby, you and I've been here before. Don't know how many miles I must go. Trying to find what's missing in my soul. I don't have a clue what's in store. When I walk through that door But baby, you and I've been here before But baby, you and I've been here before Maybe a runaway train Rolling down the track Don't know it's really forward But you know I'll be back Cause I've always kept my promise And I swore